that we know may just be passing fancies and in time may go. Hey everyone, thanks for being here today at Solace Church. This is week two of our series called No Matter What. And as Jay said, if you're a guest, thanks for being with us today. Let's talk today about the priority relationship of a parent and a child. Um, Last week, if you were here, we talked about the relationship between a husband and a wife and the priority of that relationship. And if you you didn't get a chance to hear that message, you can go online to solacechurch.com and you can check it out. So feel free to do that uh, because we we were trying to elevate the status of marriage in our our culture. And instead of accepting and leaving culture, which is what's prominent and prevalent in our society today, we're, we're calling the church to embrace a staying culture, which is what Scripture calls us to. And so if you didn't get a chance to hear that message, go online and check it out. So this whole series called No Matter What is focusing on priority relationships in our life and how to, how to navigate them when, when things become difficult, when that priority relationship begins to uh, break down or becomes dysfunctional. And so we're going to talk about parent-child relationship today. Before we look into Scripture, I want to make just one one concession to you. I have only been a parent for, for eight years. Grady is eight years old. So I, I can give you, I think, some perspective and wisdom in terms of parenting kids that are pre-adolescent. I honestly have no idea what it's like to parent in terms of real you know, practical advice about what it looks like to parent a child beyond eight years of age. But I have watched you do it. And I laugh. <laughs> I have walked with you through many of the challenges that you've faced. And you've brought them to me. And I'm thankful for that. And so I'll share with you some perspective from the seat of the pastor as well today. But our real authority comes from God's word. Uh, it, it, it's timeless in its application. And so as we study these scriptures together, knowing that I'm just, just on this journey with you, trying to figure this out along the way is important. I don't, got it all, I don't have it all figured out, and I certainly haven't experienced every phase of this. I will say this, I've been a child quite a few years, 38 now. So from that perspective, I think I can give you some insight as we go forward. Is that fair? All right, so let's talk today about this relationship. One more thing that I think we need to do before we look into Scripture um, I recognize that as we talk about having a no matter what kind of love and what that looks like practically, there inevitably will be some questions that are on your mind if you have any kind of dysfunction or, or, or difficulty in, any, in, in that relationship between your mom and dad or your child. So before we talk about scripture, I want to give you what I call just some principles that kind of sit above the conversation we're going to have. So let these things that I'm going to share with you filter into everything that you're thinking as we look into Scripture together so that we can have a baseline of conversation without your mind saying, well, what if, what if, what if, all right? So four things just just to kind of start the conversation. Number one, I want to encourage you to always remain hopeful in regards to your relationship between your mom or dad or your child. If it's dysfunctional now or broken now or strained now, it doesn't mean it always has to be that way. God is very much sovereign and he is working even when we cannot see it. So whatever the dysfunction looks like right now, it does not mean it has to always look that way. Do you know that in our church right now, there are some people that are here even in this very service 
that, that mom and dad gave up on them, that fr- friends and coworkers and neighbors and classmates all gave up on them. But God did an incredible work of restoration and healing and forgiveness. They've surrendered their life to Christ and they are walking in a relationship with him. Uh, with him. That is a miraculous story. And we, so we don't even have to look outside the church to find stories where people thought it was impossible for some person to, to get their life together. And God, through his power and his spirit, drew them into relationship and they are forever changed because of it, right? Always remain hopeful, no matter how broken it might look right now. It's just a snapshot, and God is very much able. If he can raise Jesus from the dead, he can resurrect whatever brokenness looks like in your relationship as well. Number two, I would say this. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. The priority relationship of mom and dad and child is a critical relationship within our, within our world, within our existence. And it is a relationship worth getting on your knees before your father on a regular basis, crying out to him for healing and restoration. Mom and dad, you need to be on your face before God. And if it takes tears running down your face, if it takes you laying flat on the floor before God and calling out to him on behalf of this situation, do it. It's worth praying over. I heard of a mom who had a strained relationship with her son and his, her son was older in years or in his 20s or so. And she was so broken over this that she committed herself to praying. And not only that, she also committed herself to not eating food until God did the healing work of restoring that relationship with her son. And so she went without food for at least a week or more. A pastor heard about this story and went by and checked on her. And he got in contact with this lady's son. And he said to, he said to this lady's son, I don't know if you realize this or not, but your mom has not eaten in a week or more. She is broken. She is weeping over this relationship and she longs to be restored and she longs to see you in a right relationship with God. The son was so moved by his mom's dedication to that restoration that he went and reconciled with his mom and he gave his life to Christ through that. That is the power of what it looks like to get on your face before God. This is the picture. Whatever it takes, I'm going to go before the Father. There's an urgency in that as well. So pray without ceasing in this relationship. I would say third, Even though those two two things are absolutely true, I would also say to you that in the dysfunction that you don't have to tolerate sin. Now, always be hopeful, always be prayerful, but that does not mean that you have to excuse or justify someone's pattern of sinful behavior that is destructive to the relationship. Mom and dad, you don't have to tolerate sin in your home. You don't have to just simply say, because I love you and because I'm hopeful and because I'm praying that we're just going to let you get away with whatever you're doing. You don't have to do that. And I would say to you, child, if you're an adult child and your mom or dad comes over, you don't have to tolerate sin in your house. You can have standards and rules in your, in your house. And you don't have to just excuse their behavior if it's counter to the health of your family. All right? So you don't have to live with toleration towards sin. I don't tolerate it in my life. There's no place in the church for the toleration of sin. God does not tolerate sin in our life and we don't have to tolerate it on one another. We don't have to be rude about it, we just don't have to tolerate it. And third, or fourth, I would say this. Always be willing to reconcile, but be slow to trust. When there's this dysfunction where someone's, when something's out of balance or off in a relationship, I would encourage you to always have the heart of reconciliation. This is the heart of God. God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone should come to repentance. The heart of God is reconciliation. But that does not mean, even if there's reconciliation, that you immediately restore the the kind of credibility in in the relationship that may have been previous to the dysfunction. That is to say, someone has to earn back credibility Um, when there is dysfunction, when trust is broken, you try to get back together in that relationship. There is, there is a time period that has to uh, uh, unfold 
so that the person who's created the dysfunction can, can walk in some consistency and earn the right to be trusted at the level they may have been before. Is that fair as well? So you don't have to, when you reconcile, immediately everything goes back to normal. It probably won't for a period of time. Right? So let those four things overarch the conversation as we have today. Because we're going to look at this question. What does it look like to have a no matter what kind of love in terms of my kids and then ultimately even my parents? So let's start for a minute with, with thinking about this. Here's the truth. Sometimes our children disappoint us and hurt us. Sometimes... Our kids, our children, act in ways that we would never advise them to act. We've never taught them to act that way. We've always discouraged that behavior, but they still do it in spite of anything that we try to do uh, on the contrary. The reason why is because we still live in a very fallen world and we still make mistakes. We still sin. And so sometimes they just hurt us and disappoint us. I don't have to try to convince you of that. If you have kids and they're older than six months old, you know this is already true. Like in the first six months, you're just exhausted because of sleep deprivation. Once they start crawling and even talking, then there's plenty of disappointment to share. That's just the nature of it. Actually, Proverbs speaks about this in, 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 in really some colorful terms. In Proverbs chapter 17, verse 25, you're welcome to turn there. By the way, we're going to look at Proverbs uh, almost exclusively today. Proverbs 17, 25 says this, A foolish son brings grief to his father and bitterness to the one who bore him. Let me translate that last part. It means his mom. A foolish son brings, brings hurt and grief to the father and bitterness to mom. So when children act out in ways that they shouldn't, there's a wound that exists in the heart of a parent. And, and, and you've got to be able to operate in, in spite of that, that wound or in the midst of that wound in a way that's responsive to the heart of God as well. Remember, God calls us to an unconditional love even when the circumstances don't necessarily call in the flesh for that kind of unconditional love. Now, I need to make a quick uh, uh, point of clarity from Scripture that all of us need to just, I think, in our minds understand. When we talk about the parent-child relationship, it's different than the relationship with a husband and wife. A husband and wife relationship is based on the covenant. And, and that covenant is, is the, it, it creates the opportunity for a union to exist in the marriage relationship. We talked about the covenant relationship last week. There's no picture in scripture of a covenant relationship in earthly mom and dad child relationships. There certainly is in terms of my relationship with my heavenly father. But the, 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 the relationship with, with, with mom and dad and child on earth is biological first. There's a connection. But it actually is almost assumed in Scripture that we would love our children in this unconditional way. There's not, a, there's not really a, a whole lot of verses in Scripture that tells you to love your children. It's almost assumed in Scripture that we'll do that, even though sometimes parents don't operate in that way. There is this sense, though, within us that it's difficult in some situations to love unconditionally, even when our heart's drawn to them. What's fascinating is is that kids don't naturally have an unconditional love towards their parents. (laughs) So long as you parent them the way they want to be parented, they'll love you. If you don't, you're the worst person on earth. I wish I never met you. I wish you weren't my mom or dad. I can't wait to leave your house. Right? This is the world you live. So I want to walk with you for a minute scripturally through the, I just, I've, I've grouped together the three broad uh, segments of a child's life, uh, pre-adolescence, adolescence, and then adulthood. I know they're overly broad, but for our time today, that's, that's, that's what we have available. 
So what does love look like, and no matter what kind of love it look like, in the pre-adolescence stage when our kids are foolish and they don't do right? It looks like consistency. Consistency. What does that mean? That means in the period of time from birth to about 12 years of age, what your child needs most from you is to be able to learn what is always right and always wrong and what is sometimes right and sometimes wrong. And there's a difference in those situations depending on circumstances. There are things that are always right for us to do. There are things that are always wrong for us to do. And then there are circumstantial situations that, 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 that we need to, we need to have, uh, apply wisdom and understanding for our children in these critical formation years. Here's what's amazing about this, though. It is exhausting. Have you ever felt like, if I have to tell you that lesson one more time, I'm going to throw up? How many more times am I going to have to tell you that this is not the way you should act or this is the way you should act? Are you, can you hear me? Am I speaking the same language that you speak? What is the problem? Have you ever felt that way, Mom or Dad? In this period of time, your child is pushing every boundary possible. It's almost as if you have to be this brick wall that says, no, 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 and they keep running up against it, and you're like, it's a brick wall, quit running into the brick wall. Right? You just stand there constantly trying to keep them back from doing stupid to themselves, right? And so constantly this is the way it feels. And it is exhausting. And no matter what kind of love in this stage says, I'm continuing to teach you this no matter how many more times it takes it. That's why, by the way, a mom and a dad both need to be in the same home till death. Because they need mom and dad together saying, this is the rule. These are the rules. This is the way life works. And you're going to get the message no matter what it takes. Um, this, yesterday, we were at Freddy's after uh, Grady's basketball game. And uh, um, we, Grady was tired. He'd played all day and then played the basketball game. He was tired and the kids were just worn down by the end of the day. And so Jennifer and I went inside. I said, all right, kids, sit right here at this table. Grady and Graham had Jennifer's phone. Georgia had my phone and they were, they were watching, uh, different videos. And so Jennifer and I went up to the counter and we were going to order together. Jennifer, uh, uh, I was telling Jennifer exactly what the kids said that they wanted and gave her a card to pay for it. And I turned around, I looked back and, and, and Grady and Graham are already at it. Grady, I guess, had leaned over in a way and wouldn't let Graham see the phone so they could watch the movie together. And uh, I guess he had pushed Graham away or something because when I looked back, Graham had his leg this high in the air and kicked Grady in the face. And I said, fellas, knock it off. When I snap, that's important, right? Don't, don't, don't make me snap at you. So they calmed down for a minute. To my delight, Georgia was sitting there just as a two-year-old peacefully. The phone is the remedy for all problems, by the way. YouTube kids video, that's all it takes. And then it's therapeutic. I don't know what it is about that, but uh, probably not good parenting, but it worked for that moment. And so I turned back around, and I was talking to Jennifer again, giving her the order. I turned back around. Grady was leaning over like this with the phone on the table. Graham could not see it. He was weeping, crying his eyes out. And I said, Grady, lean up. He looked at me and he said, I'm tired. Now, one thing you need to know about me is I cannot handle disrespect in public places. 
And I went over to him and I grabbed his arm and I pulled him up next to me and I said, let me tell you something, young man. If you ever disrespect me like that again, I will take you to the bathroom and I will wear your butt out. I was pretty proud of myself too. So that is not the way you talk to me. You understand me. I whispered in his ear. I didn't make a scene. I did it very quietly in his ear so I wouldn't make him feel bad for, in front of everyone, but I wanted him to know it wasn't, wasn't going wasn't to happen. Right? And I sit him down, and I looked at Graham, and I said, Graham, stop your whining. I said, and please forgive me. I said, you're being a wine bag. I said, knock it off. So we got our order. We made our way to our seats, and everyone was sitting down, and a, and a lady in her, maybe her early 50s, late 50s, walked up to us. And she said, she patted Jennifer on the shoulder, and she said, my kids are 19 and 20 now. She said, they grew up really fast. She said, you guys are doing a good job. Now, now, now. I don't know if she was being sweet or she just watched us trying to not drown taking care of our kids. But my friend, that is real life in the pre-adolescent stage. That's all you do is break up fights and wipe crying eyes with your fingers and Kleenexes and teach them over and over and over again. But hear me, they need you to be consistent and demonstrate over and over again how important that is. Consistency is critical. Proverbs 22, verse 15 says this. You'll appreciate this. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. (laughs) Don't we know that? But the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. You know what that verse says? (laughs) Your son's going to do stupid. You might have to beat it out of him. (laughs) I mean, that's just the loose translation that I'm reading. Look, whether or not you agree with spanking or not, it's not the point. The point is, is your job, mom and dad, is to make sure they don't operate in folly all their life. So consistency is important. What about in the adolescent stage? In the adolescent stage, the issue is crisis management. Now, you might look at that and say, oh, gosh, that's true for me as a parent. I'm in crisis constantly because of my kid, but that's not what I mean. Crisis management actually is the way you parent them in this stage. When they move into their, this 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 13 to 18, 19, 20 range, this period of time is the kind of the pre-adulthood. And so what they're doing, and by the way, I really appreciate Bob Greider and his insight. I called him this week, and Bob is a sage in my life, and, I, and he's teaching a class here at our church on parenting. And I said, hey, man, help me walk through these next few seasons. I'm not, not sure how to navigate that. Man, he, he gave me some great insights. But one of the interesting things is, is that, that your children, our children, take whatever we've taught them in the first 10, 12 years, And they begin to apply that in the real world and to see if it actually works. So these are the years that they're stepping out into relationships and they're gaining some independence and Lord knows they want independence worse than than anything else. They want to be out from under your control and they want to get out on their own and see how the real world works. Grady's threatened to leave 14 times from our house. You know part of that story if you've been with us any, any length of time. And, and so they're stepping out in this world, and they're trying to figure out, are these, are these things that mom and dad told me, do they really work in the real world? And so they step out in that. And what happens is, is they step out into this adolescence period of time, and they find themselves in crisis after crisis after crisis. Because they haven't figured out how to actually do it. They've just taken the information. They're trying to fumble their way out into relationships. And so they have their first big breakup at some point. You know, They're going to start dating in that period of time. Some of you allow them to date at 13, some 16, some never. It's in that period of time somewhere. And they're going to have a breakup, and it's going to crush them. And they're going to think the whole world's over, and there's no one else on the planet for them. And 
They're going to do some more stupid stuff. They're going to try some substance. I don't encourage that. We don't tolerate sin, but they're going to try something they shouldn't try. They're going to ride in the car they shouldn't ride in. They're going to do something at school they shouldn't do, and they're going to stay out later past curfew, and they shouldn't stay out. And Man, they're going to go through crisis situations. And what you, what's, what's true about this adolescent stage is that you cannot parent them the same way you did previously. Like, try to spank your 13-year-old son. It doesn't really have the same effect anymore. There's a different way. I mean, can you? Yes. But should you? Maybe not. Maybe there's a different model to look at. In this period of time, you're going to help them manage the crises that they go through. And here's what they need from you, mom and dad. They need to know that no matter what stupid they did as they were trying to go out and live in this real world, that when they come home, you and them, they can talk about it. Like, son, I, I, I'm not advising you to do some th- these things, and, and here's what they are, and I'm, this is what's going on, but you just need to know whatever you've done out there, you can come here, and I will help walk through that. It doesn't mean there's not consequences. It doesn't mean there's not punishment, but I'm for you, and I'm with you, and I'm going to help you navigate this period of time. One of the things that changes is, is in these pre-adolescent stage, you're the commander. Yeah, it's my way the highway, Jack. When you come into my house, you live in my house. These are the rules. I don't really care what you say. You don't even have to know why I said it. You just do it. Right? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> but when they go into adolescence stage, one of the things that shifts is you stop, you stop being the commander so much and you start coming into this role of saying, well, all right, now let's, let me help you think through these options. This is the crisis. This is what you're going through. Let's talk about the options. And then, and then sometimes you just allow them to make the decision. Even if it's a wrong decision, you allow them to make it. But you're navigating this journey for them. They need you for that. All right, teenagers, you need to know this. If you're in the room today, teenagers, you need to hear this. Your mom and dad are smart. they know way more than you give them credit for. They have, they have tested that substance they told you not to. I'm not encouraging them to do it, right? They've done it, and it was stupid, and they regret it, and they're trying to keep you from doing it. They've driven the car too fast. They've, they've had the wreck, or they've got the speeding ticket. They don't want you to get them again. And they've also done it right, and they've navigated some things successfully, and they can give you great wisdom in that as well. Listen to them. I love what Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 say. Let me, just, let me just give this to you. This is great. I think this is Solomon writing to his teenage son or daughter. Probably his son. Actually, I know it's his son because it says son. <laughs> Verse 1, my son. This applies to daughters too. Do not forget my teaching. See what he did? He said, you remember that pre-adolescent stage when you were growing up and I told you this is the way things work and this, don't forget it. Don't forget it. But keep my commands in your heart. That is, when you go out and you try to adult in this world, you better have a foundation. You better remember what we talked about. Let God's word be a principled place in your heart for they will prolong your life, won't they, parents? When your teenagers go out in this world, you need to say this, son, it is dangerous out there and there are a thousand things that you can get yourself in trouble. You honor what I've taught you and you keep those commands and you can live a long time on this earth. You don't. You drive that car 100 miles an hour, my, my friend, it's gonna cost you, right? And bring you prosperity. Verse number three goes on to say, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Verse four, he says this. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Isn't that good? This is, a, this is Solomon telling his son, your reputation's on the line when you walk out of this door, my friend. And if you want to have a reputation that, that outlasts and that sustains, this is the way to do it. You honor God first. You keep his commands. Listen to the teaching, right? He's giving him wisdom as he's getting out in this world. Verse 5. 
You've heard these verses a thousand times. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Stop for a moment. Teenagers, you don't know it all. That's what Solomon just said. You don't know it all. And there are times you're not going to have it all figured out. And you can't just lean on your own understanding. There's an acknowledging of God, verse number 6. Acknowledging of God and then he will make your path straight. My mom did this very well for me. I'm thankful for this. When I was a young teenager, this is a small picture into my life. When I was a teenager, I was trying to figure out if I wanted to go to the, high, the junior high dance. It's a crisis moment for me. It's crisis management. She sat down with me at the breakfast table, and she said, uh, Matt, um, she said, I know it's a difficult decision. You're trying to make it. And she said, uh, let me just give you a couple of thoughts. First of all, she said, I want you to know that uh, you should pray about this, think about this. And if you go to the dance uh, I just want you to know that, that that's a decision you need to make between you and God. If you feel okay about it and you've prayed about it, then I just want to encourage you to do what you feel like God's leading you to do. I trust you that when you're at the dance, you'll be appropriate. That's absolutely true because I was the worst dancer in the world. And at junior high dance, all I did was hang out with my guy friends and stand in a corner because it was too embarrassing to dance with girls. And I wasn't a good dancer. She said, Matt, but if you choose to stay home, you need to know it's okay as well. If you prayed about it and God asked you to stay home and you don't feel like it's right to go, then it's okay to stay home as well. But I trust that you'll make a good decision. Isn't that good? She gave me the options on the table and she, just tr- she trusted that I was going to navigate that part well. I'm thankful she ha- helped me handle a crisis in my life. I needed her to be there for that part of the journey. <clears throat> what about adulthood? In adulthood, we change from crisis management to consultant. Now, I know this word seems corporate, and it's not meant to. It just gives a picture of what happens. Okay, here's the truth. Are you ready? Sometime between the age of 18 and, say, like 32, your kid's going to leave the home. (laughs) Somewhere in that range, somewhere, they're going to leave. They'll want to come back, probably, but they're going to leave. In the pre-adolescent stage, when you're in that stage with kids that age, it feels overwhelming because your kids, you have to repeat the same lesson over and over over again. It's exhausting. When they move into this crisis stage of the adolescence and they're testing out their adulthood, they're in this period where they, they have a crisis, but you know it's not nearly as big a crisis as they think it is. You know that tomorrow the sun's going to come up and you're going to help them through that and that first love's going to eventually turn into another love and they'll get married. And, but something interesting happens in the, into the stage of adulthood. In this stage, when they leave the home, they really become independent and you lose complete control. You're no longer a commander. You don't get to dictate their life. Now they're completely on their own. And I can't imagine what it's like watching your child pack up and ship out and go somewhere else to college or to career somewhere else. can't imagine how overwhelming that is for, for parents as they go through that. We'll experience it. But I can't imagine what it's like. But I know it's even worse when your kids step out in the world and they make some really bad decisions that are costly, greater than... You know, I went to a school dance and did something I wasn't supposed to. It's greater than that. It's, it's, it's the decisions that are hurtful beyond just the temporary peace, and they're hurtful for, for relationships and marriages and careers and on and on the list goes. Some of you are going through that. Some of you have had kids that do that. What do you do in that period of time? One of the things that's very evident is, is that Uh, unwelcomed or unsolicited advice is received as nagging and they're going to run from it. 
You call your child up on the phone and they haven't called you and they're going through something and they've made some bad decisions and you tell them how wrong they are and how they need to get their heart right with Jesus and you're tired of seeing them that way and they'll just shrug you off. At this stage, one of the very hard things to do is to sit back and say, son, daughter, if you need me, you need to know I'm right here. I will be available for you in a phone call. I'll be available for you in a conversation. I'll do whatever I can to help you in any capacity I can, but you're now in the Lord's hands and you're out in the real world now. Parents, one of the things I would encourage you to do in this adulthood, one of the ways you can love them no matter what is to give them over to Jesus. One of the things you have to do is embrace that they are first God's and not yours. And that when you hand them over to Jesus, that you're entrusting them to a sovereign God who is absolutely at work in their life even when you cannot see it. The reason why I said that we should always be hopeful is because you and I need to know this. That when, when children go out into the real world and they step, and they step into the world and they do things that are, that are hurtful to us, hurtful to their families, hurtful to careers or whatever it is, you need to know that God is always actively at work through his spirit to draw them back into relationship with him. Even when you don't see it and even when they're running as far away as they can, God is drawing them back into relationship with him through his spirit. And you can have confidence that the God of creation who knows them in detail is at work in their life drawing them back to him. So, don't call them every day and tell them what to do. Don't text them every five minutes and tell them how to fix their marriage. Just be available when they call. I love what Proverbs 13, 14 says, the teaching of the wise is a foundation, or fountain of life, turning a man from the snares of death. You get to be the wise one who's available when they call. Um, I wanna just take a minute. Some of you are going through this uh, right now. Some of you are in the midst of this brokenness and dysfunction and, and hurt. And I just, I just wanna say this word to you just quickly before we talk in conclusion about if you're a child here today and your parents are causing dysfunction. I'll be brief with that. But if you're in that situation today, I just wanna encourage you. Um, you can get so weary in this that you can want to quit, you can want to give up, and you can want to just throw your hands up in the air and just say, I'm done. I just want to encourage you not to. That if you won't get weary in well-doing, that God will do the work he needs to do in you and through you to bring restoration and reconciliation. One quick note on that. Sometimes the dysfunction continues to last and there isn't reconciliation in this world. And that's heartbreaking and devastating. And if you've gone through that and you have, you, there has been a situation where you, you, you know, it did not turn out the way that you were praying for that, I just want you to know that, man, God is gracious and he heals us and that he makes things right in eternity. I want to say just for, in closing that if you're here today and maybe you're on the other side of this, you need to know that sometimes our parents disappoint and hurt us. Sometimes our, our parents disappoint us. If you're here today and you're the child that's causing the dysfunction for your parents, would, would you just consider changing course? Would you consider a turn from that and a turn towards uh, obedience to God's word so that there can be reconciliation? If you're here today and you're the parent who's bringing the dysfunction to the relationship, I want to give you a quick verse. This is painful, but it's important. This is what Timothy, or Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That is to say, one of the chief responsibilities for mom and dad is to be the adult. Don't make your kids be the adult in a relationship. You be the adult. Right? And then I just want to encourage you to consider this. If you're here today and, and your parents are creating dysfunction, I want to call you to do something that you don't want to do, which is to honor them. This is what Ephesians chapter six says. If you're the child here today and your parents are creating the dysfunction, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. 
Now notice there's not a stipulation for your parents to be doing what they should be doing before you honor them. The honor comes no matter what the parents are doing. Now what does that look like practically in your life? If you have a mom and dad that you're having to be the adult for them and they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, I know the temptation is to be frustrated and cynical and bitter and angry and unforgiving and all those kinds of things. And I just have to say this. Do not let the circumstances that they are involved in dictate to you your relationship with Jesus. Make sure that you honor Christ first in your life so that you can answer to him ultimately on the day you stand before him. I would encourage you to honor them. That is, to even speak life into them even when they haven't earned it or deserved it. Forgive them as quickly as you possibly can. It'll be well with your soul, my friend, when you do that. All right, now. I want us to take a minute this morning in conclusion, and I want us to pray. Don't bang your heads yet. I just, just, I want to pray. Some of you, right now, you're in the middle of this. Right now, when you walk out these doors, you're going to have to face the brokenness and dysfunction that we've talked about today. I don't want you to leave today if you're walking in that without having the opportunity to pray for you and over you, if you will let us. So in just a moment, we're going to sing, and I want to invite you to come and let us call out your case before the Father. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Hey, this is Pastor Matt Blair. Thank you so much for taking time to check out our podcast today at solacechurch.com. You know, we realize that it's possible as you listen to this message today that God may have spoken to your heart about something. So if you made any kind of spiritual decision, we would love to know about that. You can email us at info at solacechurch.com and let us know what happened in your life today. Once again, thank you so much for taking time to check out this podcast.